Hey everybody, Sean Sewell with Gamer.com podcast. Very excited to have back my friend Pat Flynn. Pat, welcome back, my man. How are you? It's a pleasure. Good, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to see you as well. I always enjoy when you can put a face to the voice, so thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. I know back in December we had a really lively and deep discussion, and mm-hmm. I really want to follow up with that because we left the listeners with a lot of good theories to go over, and um, I turned a lot of people on to you, like in the backcountry ski community, we, they had discussion like this, Pat Flynn guy is really fascinating in person. Oh, well, yeah. that's very nice to hear. <laughs> Thank yeah. you all. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, a lot of the people, actually, the, the part about you coming back to um, uh, Catholicism was right. a, a big topic we talked about in Skin Tracks. Mm. Yeah, you're affecting people. Yeah, we're well, happy the world. to explore any and all that to any degree we wish, Sean. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a very busy, productive person. I'm just trying to catch up on all the things you're creating and working on. Um, you have the Strong On community. Um, you have a right. lot of people in that. How many people do you have in, the, in that community now? Oh, a couple thousand. Yeah, it's, it's a vibrant community. And it's something that I'm really proud of, not just of myself, but the people in that group, because um, the culture is so good. It's such mm-hmm. a good, especially on social media, where things can become so tribalistic and just just nasty downright nasty there's something very special about the strong on culture where people are there to 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 really support people not in just like a an overly fawning way uh you know people give support direct feedback criticism when when people want criticism on technique but it's always done in such a spirit of charity of really wanting to help the other person and I've often tried to step back and analyze, like, wh- why is it? Why is it that we have such a good, healthy culture here when so many other fitness groups and things, things don't? And I don't, have, I don't really have a solid answer to that. It's just, it's just the types of people that are in that group. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning it. It's, um, it's, it's been going for years now, and it's, it's my, it always makes me happy when I go onto social media to start my, my day in that group. Like, it sets the tone for me, whereas oh. if that's not always the case for everything else you see online, is it? Not at all, my friend. Not at all. Well, you know, um, I've enjoyed being part of that group. And like you said, I think it comes from having good, kind leadership on your part and your wife's part. And then having Alex in there and then asking good questions like, um, you know, what does everybody's home gym look like? And, and putting workouts in there and the support has been really, really cool to see. And mm-hmm. trust me, um, like you, I, I help run some groups of have several thousand people in them and there's not always kind comments that come through. Yeah. And you have to, you do have to be willing to, to police the culture a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I, but I guess what I've, what I've found to be very fortunate is fortunate is I've had to do very little of that. Oh, that's um, but yeah, for anybody who, who's out there who's thinking of, of starting a group, they can be extremely valuable, especially for bringing people together um, around a, a certain theme. Uh, and creating accountability where people might not have that otherwise if they're, if they're um, you know, doing some fitness program online. And I, I find that that's very helpful for people, even though it's not the same as working face-to-face with a coach. It's, a, it's, it's, really, it's really good to have that. And so I guess what I would recommend is that you do your best, like you said, Sean, is to set the cultural expectations at the start. Here's, here's what this group is for. Here's the types of conversations that we want you to have, that we expect you to have. And, and here's some things that are off limits. Like if you want to talk about this stuff, totally fine. Just bring it to a different group. Yeah. Here's what we're focused on. And then, you know, just making sure that uh, people stay within those bounds. Um, and I think if you do that, you can create a really vibrant and positive community. It takes work like anything else, but I think it's worth the effort. Uh, well said. 
Yeah, very well said. I, the community I'm referring to that I help run, there's, I'm fortunate because I'm only one of uh, five total admins, but we have, I think, last time I talked to you, we had 5,000. Now we have 6,500. It's growing like wow. a plague, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's a backcountry ski community. And like you said, we're looking to have uh, supportive discussions and like uh, here's some photographs of uh, an area we went to today and this was a snowpack and you know, we're going to carpool and go do some tour and it's kid friendly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then some people on there that just keyboard warrior. Crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> internet, internet quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, God, and like, look, so I, I, I get them all the time. I mostly get it through email and on yes. YouTube. So no matter what, once you're in the online space, you're going to, you're just that's just the nature of the game right but when it comes to this is my home this is this is my space i'm i'm and maybe people will call me a dictator i'm very quick to drop the hammer when i need to be like people people think i'm generally a very nice and friendly guy but if somebody you know starts to encroach (laughs) right on my community or or my my you know my i consider them you know really family in 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 an extended sense and they're trying to to bring to poison it or contaminate it, yeah, I'll drop the hammer extremely fast. Yeah, and it's pretty like merciless it. too. It's it's like a one and done deal. Like, that's it. Oh, good. So, don't you, test. Don't test it. Yeah. Don't test Pat. Do you ban yeah. the person or do you give them a warning? Oh yeah, yeah. Ban, done, full. That's that's it. Nice. You know, of course, like if somebody's like teetering, and I'm not, you know, and they don't seem like an outright troll, right? If somebody's just an outright troll and they're just trying to stir the pot or something like that, it's just mm-hmm. that's it. You're, you're gone. Time to find. This is not the community for you. Exactly. Um, but it's, you know, other times it's just, you know, making sure that our, cause we have various admins too. We'll just send, you know, a message to somebody, Hey, you know, we appreciate you joining the conversation, but this is, you know, not within our policies or, you know, boundaries of what this group is about. So, that, that's and then really- if there's, if there's any pushback against that, then yeah, out, <laughs> gone, goodbye. Yeah. Right. But most of the time there isn't most of the time people are like, Oh yeah, I understand. Thanks for the, you know, thanks for the heads up. Exactly. And I think also too, um, written words are a lot harder to convey than uh, like this, like, you know, presence in uh, body language. So it's easy right. to take things and uh, like you, I try and reach out to them via direct message or whatever personal message and say, Hey, you know, the language I interpreted from you, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Right. So, yeah. And sometimes, and, and sometimes that's, that's, that's important. This is an interesting conversation. I love this. We, we have no agenda. Just whatever <laughs> comes up is good. Is that it's not just the matter of what people say. It's also the manner in which you say it. Yeah. Right. Like both of these things are important. Right? And you might have a lot of like really important and good things to say, but if you're always just being a jerk about it, like yeah. there's, yeah, I'm sorry. Like that's just not going to fly here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's an important note. Like for anybody in any, in any business of communication whatsoever, oh, it's not just the matter of what you say, but yes. the manner and how you say it is extremely important, especially for, for writers and, and marketers. You have to pay attention to both. And that was always a lesson that I got from, I think we talked about this a little bit last time. Some, some of the writers that I really admire oh, yeah. where they were, they're so good that, it, that in them, in their manner of expression, that it didn't even matter what the matter was. Mm-hmm. I think I gave the example maybe last time of, of E.B. White. Like he could just talk about chicken coops for 36 pages, <laughs> which I have no interest in. Yeah. But just his, his, his voice, his prose style, his demeanor is just so utterly attractive. And that always intrigued me. Like what, what, what is that? Like, can that be analyzed? Can that be, can that be learned or imitated? I think there's, some, there's something there. I don't think it'd be, it'd be like really analyzed. And I don't think it'd be really taught. But I think it is something that can be imitated and eventually learned. That's a good point. You know, um, 
because you do a lot of writing and a lot of copywriting too, and very good copywriting at that. And over the years, um, I've, I've started to copyright myself, especially for engagement. When I write something, I try and write it in a way that the reader would want to read it, not how I would talk directly. So I might right. be loquacious and get really big paragraphs, but like I've learned to try and talk in other people's languages to communicate to them. And I think right. that's, yeah, and that goes for like any kind of business. It could be a doctor, a lawyer, a fitness professional, whatever it is. If you can't get your message to that person for them to understand it, then it won't do any good. Yeah, that's a great point. You have to, you have to meet their expectations. Mm -hmm. And this is something I've had to learn um, because I write in, in many different areas, right? So I write academic papers. I write copy. I write blog articles, I write books, and each of those is a different really method or mode where I have to make pretty dramatic adjustments to my style and approach, and certain um, methods that I'll use in copywriting would be laughable and embarrassing if I'm trying to get a journal published, for yes. example, right? It'd just be utterly ridiculed, right? <laughs> yeah. like, uh, so, but that's important because it's, it's like music too, right? There's just certain... Um, elements of certain styles of music that make sense for that style of music that would just seem completely out of place if you were to try and uh you know perform that in front of a, of a certain crowd um mm -hmm. but i remember as a musician uh this this goes back even um before i relearned this principle in writing and that's kind of a always an interesting thing we can learn a principle in one area and you don't immediately see the connection at first but then it, you'll see how it, it does eventually carry over into all these other disciplines uh, my guitar instructor when I was very young, I always wanted just to, to play metal, like straight up speed metal. Like that's oh, it. Yeah. I just want to be super fast, pyrotechnic on the guitar. And he's like, look, Pat, you need to learn other styles of music. You need to learn country. You need to learn jazz. Um, because eventually, you know, these, these other elements will offer enhancements to the, to the one thing you're really interested in, even if not in a direct way, in an indirect way, right? They'll, they'll give you ideas for phrasing or melody, even if it's, you know, not the exact same expression as, you know, like a, a Steve Vai or a Joe Satriani or something like that. Sweet. And I was resistant to that at first, but over the years I was like, okay, fine, Peter, his, his name was Peter, I'll, I'll, I'll learn these different styles of music. And he was, he was absolutely right. And being able to shift gears um, made me to, to, to learn jazz and to learn uh, country, which I, I'm not a country fan. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I no, I'm just, I'm just not like there's many great country musicians. It's just not my, my thing, but learning elements of country uh, just gave me so much more raw material, I guess is what I'm saying. And the more raw material material you have, I've, the more creative and effective you can be overall. I think it's the point I'm trying to get at here, not articulating very well, but we'll, we'll refine it eventually, it. Yeah. right? <laughs> and then sense. same thing in writing. Like there's certain elements of copywriting that have made me better as say when I'm writing uh, philosophical articles, right? In an academic setting, um, in terms of even just focusing on, on clarity and brevity and conciseness, which you often don't get in, you know, in academic papers, mm -hmm. Uh, but I found that, that that has been really helpful and vice versa, right? Having backgrounds and uh, more academic backgrounds in economics and philosophy, I think has made me a better thinker. And when you're a better thinker, well, writing is just thinking on paper. That's all writing really is. Mm -hmm. And then that in turn will make you a better copywriter as well. So it, it wasn't kind of until many years later when I started to see these valuable connections. It wasn't like I, I planned all this up front, like, oh, I need to study this so I'll be better at this. It was, it's just, it's just happy luck, really, at the end of the day, that all this came together. But when I look back on it from that perspective, I realize, oh, yeah, that, that this whole generalist approach, right, 
really was something that was extremely valuable for me, uh, especially in my business, especially yeah. as a marketer and copywriter. Mm -hmm. That's very helpful. Uh, you know, on the music point too, I, uh, we both play guitar and uh, like you, my, my started with uh, Metallica and Megadeth Slayer and I right. really enjoyed playing those. And I moved. Love back. your recent videos, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And yours mm -hmm. as well. Um, it's it's fun stuff to play, right? It brings back a lot of memories. Uh, but I moved out here to Colorado. Um, I couldn't find anybody to jam with. Nobody want to play death metal, you know? So come on, guys, get with it. <laughs> I'm like, you're missing out, guys. We can just do 200 beats per minute and go crazy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we don't even have to worry about being like precise with with rhythm. We could just like just galloping, fast picking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny but actually it's like I, I recently went back i put a video up of it i went back and i'm like i need to go back and revisit some some negatives so i went back to the old tornado of souls oh wow yeah uh, the the freedman it's on my facebook page i, I got it and and he's he, he's a good example of um of the generalism because if you studied marty freeman this was Megadeth's guitarist i think from like the early 90s to the to the late 90s i believe yeah. right freeman was at them and he's 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 a guitarist guitarist he's really well known in the guitar world for just being a virtuoso and having a really unique style but part of the reason he had such a unique style is because he didn't just study metal he mm -hmm. specifically studied japanese enka music which most people have never heard of right but it has yeah. this very interesting vibrato quality to the vocalists and so what marty tried to do is he tried to imitate that that vibrato vibrato quality on the guitar and that's why he has such a unique sound for all of his bends is because of this influence from japanese anka music um and and everybody tries to study marty as marty like okay yeah he's like a really technical you know uh metal guitarist but the reason he's so unique is because he didn't restrict himself to just listening to metal guitarists and it were these sort of more exotic influences and you can hear that like his 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 style sounds very exotic that's the word that most people think of with with Friedman it just sounds eastern almost and the reason is because he listened to so much eastern music and brought that into metal and i think that's why he's so well remembered and respected i had no idea i mean i was yeah. back in the day when it was uh, was it uh, jason yeah jason becker and cacophony and listen to Correct. that yeah such a good album and just two virtuosos going back and forth it's just a if you like technical speed metal it's, it's something you check out why didn't yeah, cacophony was, was crazy oh my god it was incredible and becker was like 16 or something when they re originally recorded that it's just oh, it's ridiculous so oh yeah. man i would do my paper out and come home and just jam on my um first guitar is a bc rich uh iron bird with emg pickups rock on dude yeah, super shreddy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what was your first guitar uh epiphone epiphone les paul oh classic Epif Ep epiphone les paul yeah i got it uh second second grade like second grade super big and clunky on me but i was begging my parents begging because ever since you know when i first like some of my earliest memories was my mom playing acdc in the car and just that that just, I don't know, man, that exploded my love for music, just the, the original Back in Black album. And I just developed this instant and deep obsession, specifically with ACDC, but then eventually everything rocked from there. And wow. so I just, be, and I would, I would do everything I could to just um, consume as, as much Angus Young. I was the biggest Angus mm -hmm. fan, right? I think in like the fourth grade, I dressed up as Angus. My dad took me to, <laughs> to see ACDC. And uh, I still, of course, I still love ACDC and I have... I have so much more appreciation for them now as I think I've become more musically mature because everyone kind of makes fun of ACDC and they're like, oh, they're, 
stuff sounds the same. They use the same three chords, but there's a principle of creativity there, right? In that in order to be remembered and I think really creative, I think it comes down to to what ACDC does really well. A lot of it is something you can really hook into pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's somewhat predictable, but it's filled with the little surprises. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the secret. Mostly predictable, but with little surprises. And I think that's true with writing too, right? If, if, if somebody's writing is just a whole bunch of crazy, odd words that you've never really seen before, you're just going to be confused, right? But if somebody has that occasional odd word that just fits and it's a little surprise, there's something delightful about that. Just delightful about a little word every now and then like salubrious, if they could just slip Whoa. that in, right? Just, but, but you can't use like words like that all the time because then nobody's going to have something to connect with, right? It's those yeah. little surprise. And same thing with Marty Friedman. A lot of what he does is, you know, you're, you're pretty basic technical well very technical but still yeah. rudimentary stuff with those little surprises like that like his special way of doing vibrato uh, so when i look to acdc now i see that's what they do so well right they they have such a mastery of the basics but then they just find little ways to introduce these these elements of delightful surprises whether it's just rhythmically or where where angus in his leads just seems to be able to find exactly where every note should be placed. I mean, you listen to any solo in Back in Black and you're like, yeah, I don't know how I would improve that. Like that just right. seems exactly how it should be. Like even if I tried to play it faster or put more notes in, like I don't think it would be better. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, my love for ACD, the point is my love for ACDC, which started my, uh, I think my musical inclination has only increased over time. They haven't diminished in my view as oh, I've awesome. be become... I think more acquainted with even more technical musicians or something about their synergy um, as a group that uh, it's hard to match it. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. well, that's a beautiful uh, backstory on how you learn to appreciate ACDC through your mother. And I can't imagine, I mean, Les Paul is a heavy guitar for a second grader. That's like right. half your body weight. Oh yeah. Super clunky. I have the old, old pictures. That was kind of a, uh, well, I got pretty chubby later on. So it, it balanced out. Um, <laughs> But I'm in Waukesha now, Waukesha, Wisconsin, which is the home of Les Paul. So I live I in Les that. Paul's hometown. That's right. There's a little like Les Paul Museum downtown. It's pretty cool. You didn't plan that, did you, from second grade on to move there? No, I had no idea, honestly, until I moved to the area. I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. It kind of makes sense, my assumption of why you have an SG now. I do. Well, well, yeah. So I have the, uh, I have the Angus and that's my primary. I use that a lot and I think I get some dirty tones out of it. Um, and this then my other good guitar that, yeah. Then my other primary guitar is, uh, is a Nuno, uh, Washburn Nuno. Remember Nuno from the band extreme. Oh, he was actually really good. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. yeah he's underrated. One of, my, he's one of my, yeah. Highly underrated. One of my favorite guitarists and his guitar is just, uh, looking at it i can't get it right now but it's it's a beautiful <laughs> guitar yeah they're hanging up on the wall right there like oh come over here yeah i uh <laughs> you know i had never thought about an sg because i'm all like i had that you know the crazy metal guitar and then um you know uh seven string ibanez and like all oh, the really goofy crap and right. then i kind of tabled guitar playing for for quite a while and my wife uh she's so sweet for my 38th birthday i believe she pulled together money with her father and some uh, other relatives and they bought me uh a Gibson SG guitar. And it's, I, it's such a good guitar. I had no idea how great a guitar it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the action's good and the tone's warm and yep. it's, it's just amazing. Underrated guitar. It's great. Yeah, it's it's like the it's such a well-balanced guitar. Like you can go pretty much as fast as you would ever need, right? Mm -hmm. You're not gonna set any records on the SG, but you can you can definitely move on that thing. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, the action's great. The feel is great. The tone's awesome. I have no complaints. There's a re- yeah. There's a reason why that's typically the guitar that I'm I'm grabbing, especially yeah. for for most of my recordings too. That's it's pretty much all SG. I don't even oh. use the Nuno that much. Like every once in a while. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. What makes sense? Um. Well, let's talk about your setup. Um. So most recently, you started making your own track for your podcast. It sounds awesome. How cool that they have your own your own creation for your other creation. Awesome. <laughs> you know, it's really rewarding. And like when I was young, you know, I always thought like I'm just going to be a musician, a musician or writer were the two kind of options for me. And um, obviously, the professional musician thing didn't 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 happen. But I still create music, uh, you know, all the time, very frequently. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm recording almost almost every single day. And I found that, you know. Um, it's just it's just an, an act of expression that's fulfilling in and of itself. You know, whether yeah. I ever actually put an album together for sale or not, just the fact that I can put some of my tunes, I use them on my YouTube uh, workout videos too, right? Just as yeah. the background guitar riffs and stuff like that. Like that just makes me really happy. I don't know why. Um, and just to think that, you know, even if people are on YouTube are just primarily there for my workout, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting my music whether you like it or not, right? I'm yeah. going to force it on you. <laughs> Uh, has been, you know, it's just, it's just a fun thing for me. And it's, um, I found that that's because like you, there was a, a period of my life where I, I just wasn't, I don't know, I was still playing, I was still practicing, but music just, I, I, I guess I was kind of depressed by thinking mm-hmm. like, I, I guess I'm just never going to, you know, be, be, uh, you know, touring the world with, with my guitar. So I was kind of at a, at a lost point there. And then I finally snapped out of it and realized, well, look, like, don't be stupid, dude. Like you're creating stuff all the time, uh, which is what you love to do. Most of it's mm-hmm. writing, you know, books and articles. So like you're still being creative. Just figure out a way to try and infuse music into that somehow. So I'm like, okay, well, what might, what could I do? Well, I could use my tracks for my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I could occasionally force my tracks onto people through my email list. <laughs> 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 right. I could, I could, I could use some when I'm not being lazy as the intro to my podcast. Cause I'm pretty lazy with my podcast. I don't like to do the editing and stuff, but every once in a while throw it it's like time the beginning or the idea. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if there's a point to this aside from, from the fact that I, I would say that there's something inherently fulfilling, uh, about creating something and putting it out there with no expectations. Yes. With, with no expectations at all. Because I, I always have expectations for some things, especially professional projects. But there's something really almost freeing in a way where I no longer have those expectations with music. And it's actually become a lot more fun. Like I'm, I'm, I'm almost more excited about music now than I was when I was like 18 in a way. Oh, that's super mm-hmm. cool. And, you know, I can add on that and relate to that. Uh, when, it, when I couldn't find people to jam with on death metal out here, I tried to learn like, uh, you know, grunge was big when I was out here in the 90s jam on that and then i got old and then i I totally played the guitar like in the garage didn't touch it for years and uh of all things i became a professional dj so totally different genre of music nice yeah that's fun i got to play big clubs and raves and parties and i got paid for it so i guess i was a professional musician for a while but playing other people's music basically Mm -hmm. and um i got out of that scene for a lot of reasons i mean a lot a whole lot of good decisions happen after 2 a.m so <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Oh yeah, it, it made for some fun stories over some drinks sometime, Pat. But um, you know, now I get before I am, and I like my lifestyle is a lot more uh, routine and uh, beneficial and uh, healthy. Yeah. But um, I picked up the guitar one day and I uh, put the turntables away, and um, yeah, I think the ability to get something right out of your soul without any expectations—you just get it out. And like you, I have a, a, a 
a good ability to express myself, especially emotions. And so music mm-hmm. is just one of those um, priceless things you can do. And if somebody gets joy out of it too, all the better. Yeah. And, and you know, it's so rewarding when people will, will actually respond to it. Like, hey, what's that? When the, my favorite thing is when they'll ask what that song is, right? right. I'm like, oh, oh, I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know that oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, being creative without a, a, a expectations, I think is kind of what we're, we're talking about yeah. here is, is so fulfilling and so freeing. And it was something that uh, I've only come to appreciate, I would say, in the, in the past, you know, in relatively recent past, because I've always created with expectations. Right. Um, and sometimes that's, that's necessary, right? Sometimes that's, that's, that's useful. But there's just been such a wonderful discovery in my life to all the points that you just said. Just, just create because you love it, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's expressive. And, you know, just don't have it, just put it out there. Just hit publish wherever right. that is and just, just let it, just let it fly and with no expectations. And I oh, promise man. you, yeah, I think you'll, uh, because we all have a creative impulse of some sort. So mm-hmm. however you need to, 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 to get that out, whether it's knitting or music or writing, just, just do it. And who cares? Um, you know, if anybody hears it, if anybody reads it, uh, but somebody eventually will. Somebody yeah. definitely, even if it's just your kids, right? And and sometimes I, I think about that. Like, if nothing else, like I know my kids are going to go back and listen to my music someday. Oh, that's and, the most rewarding, right there. And that alone makes it seems seems to make it worth it for me, right? Even just something you know for them to have, um, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, that's super cool. I'm you know we don't have kids yet, but we're planning on having kids here in the next future year or two, and it'd be so amazing to do anything to uh, to inspire them like that. Yeah. And, and they, they do too. So my son's doing piano lessons now. I actually started learning piano with him. So I never learned piano before. So this is a new skill for me. Mm-hmm. And my wife accidentally signed me up to take piano lessons with him. Because she's like, do you want to take, uh, take piano lessons with Rowan? I thought she meant, will you take Rowan to piano lessons? Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah. And so she just signed us both up. So it's, it's me, him, and Miss Eileen every Thursday <laughs> doing our little, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm actually getting a little decent. The hardest thing about piano is, is that is synchronizing the hands, which is totally new. Oh yeah. For a guitarist. Um, it just makes your brain explode to, to have to try and work the hands independently, but it's actually been really cool to, to learn that, that new skill, but it's also really cool just to, to be able to take something I love music and just be able to share it with my kids and practice it with my son and stuff like that. And man, kids learn so much quicker. They yeah. do. It's, it's incredible. Like, um, you know, it, it's different because like as an adult, you're a little bit more disciplined and more focused, but I'm always amazed at how quickly my kids pick things up. Yeah. You know, it's so true. We have four nieces. Uh, one of the, I think we have a niece's birthday party this weekend. They're always having birthdays and, um, watching them learn something like, uh, they're learning Spanish. They learned sign language before they spoke English and mm-hmm. all these amazing things are just, sponges and like their neuroplasticity is so much more efficient than i feel like as we are as adults that's right mm-hmm. yeah. then as crusty old men yeah we are we are crusty and cranky and just so the point just, is start early friends yes for all you babies <laughs> listening start yeah, learning you, piano now for all you two year olds, <laughs> yeah do it it's worth it but there's also there's also hope in the sense that i i've you know even if you are older, like I'm definitely learning piano. I'm definitely getting these skills down. It's kind of slow. It's kind of arduous, but you can still do it when you're older, right? The old dog can learn new tricks. You just need a process. Mm -hmm. Very true. Um, you mentioned your record. Um, you might have to ask you what you record into. I'm like gear freak. Am I like, yeah. Um, very simple. I I would actually try and show you, but, uh, 
it, it's, it's all dark because of the lighting in here, but I, mm -hmm. I use a Black Star amp. I always used to use Marshalls, but I recently switched to Black Star. What is Black Star? I haven't heard of Black Star. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a small little tube amp, and it just has a, if you listen to my, well, if you listen to my tunes, you'll get a, an, an impression of the tone, and that's it. I'm, I'm guitar amp mic. Ooh, I, have I, like a, I have a dynamic Shure mic. Um, SM57? And I, uh, yeah, yeah, and I record directly into uh, into Pro Tools, and that's yeah. it. So I'm like a, I'm like I'm like a no effects guy. Um, so I, guitar amp mic, rock and roll. That's it. I really appreciate that. I um I have a Vox tube amp. That's why I play into. And it's yeah. got that real once the the tubes warm up just right. It's that warm, almost like Van Halen ish kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, you just don't need anything actually, no. right? It's just I, the, the dynamics and the warmth and the crunch is just perfect. Yeah, and it's not getting lost in some digital signal processor somewhere. I mean, back in the day, I had like a foot pedal like orgy happening, and just clicking on crap and making sounds and filling in. Just <laughs> foot pedal orgy. I'm familiar. Those were my high school days, and then I just realized I'm using all this stuff less and less and less and less. Yeah. And then I eventually just got rid of all of it. Yeah. And there's also something I like. I like kind of when I record too of having skin in the game. I refuse to multi-track. It's Good one for take you. Yes. for everything. I put the metronome on, and there's two reasons I do that. One is it makes me a better musician, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I have my stuff down. And two is there's something about the dynamics of having something that's more organic throughout. Yes. Where where it isn't exactly the same throughout the song. Like there's just you could call them subtle imperfections and I think arguably they are subtle imperfections, but it's just different dynamics really. And you hear that in some of my favorite musicians, you hear that in ACDC. Mm -hmm. Right? You hear that in Van Halen. Where it's okay, he's not playing that exactly the same way every time, and I think that I think that's interesting. Whereas if you just take a chunk and you just loop it, I don't know, it just sounds always very robotic and artificial to me. So I completely agree. I mean, mm -hmm. on a lot of levels, you know, back when I was a DJ, we all had our promo mixtapes and then CDs, and then now they're on downloads, and I would always record my sets live at the club mostly drunk and then that would be my promo you know like because this is honestly how it's going to sound if you book me you know yep yeah this is it this is the yeah. real deal yeah yep. I, I guarantee you'll be at least this good next time so yep. uh being honest it. and being just you know human uh mm -hmm. and i appreciate those like you said subtle imperfections that show the the rawness and the emotion and the, the clarity of, of the vision yeah tuned up yeah I love it, man. I love this is this is great, man. I really enjoy these these conversations, right? Oh, me too. We have a lot to share with the listeners, and hopefully, they find it uh, inspiring. And and um, you know, I was thinking about this. You know, uh, this year has been a lot of a lot of ups and downs, and it's easy for people to see on social media or get the perception that things are always perfect. But I like to get right. honesty that like you know, there's a lot of struggles that I go through, and I'm sure you do too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, oh yeah. And I think people get in this dangerous. Um, comparison game right the grass mm -hmm. is always greener or like oh look at they're doing all these fun things in the mountains or blah 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 or you know and i i really want to clarify to people like to stop doing that because it's not what right. you, the fantasy in your head is not what's really happening so um yeah it's been yeah. interesting yeah. yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's a really good point. So, I mean, we can. Uh, I'm happy to be as open and transparent about about anything. Like, life is life is a struggle, my friends. It's yes. a struggle for every single one of us. And there's so much I have in my life that I'm so utterly grateful. For. Like, I thank God every day for these things in my life. I really do. My family, my children, my general health, all of it. But I mean, there's we all have, you know, we all have our cross to bear. Literally, we mm -hmm. all have things in our life that that we struggle with. I mean, for me personally. 
I have had just like lifelong, like quite severe anxiety for most of my life. And it yes. runs, it runs in my, and this is something I've talked about on my podcasts and, and email before. And I think it's really important because there's still this kind of this odd stigma around mental health in general. So I, I try yeah, to, you know, to share this as much as, as much as I can, but it's run in my family, forms of anxiety, depression, you know, I was a very, very nervous little kid. Like I used to have panic attacks when I was very yeah. young. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is, this is, this is life, right? We all have these different things that we're dealing with on many different levels. So yeah, don't, don't let any initial impression here make it seem like everything is, is rainbows and, and unicorns. I have so much that I'm grateful for, you know, I, I'm so thankful for my general existence, of course, but we all have our trials and, and tribulations that we're working through every day. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And I'm so glad that you're honest and open about that too. I am, um, you know, I, I can go down the rabbit hole. And I'm happy to be as open and honest too, like um, uh, agoraphobia and, and uh, anxiety and crippling depression I've battled. And, um, you know, also I had a disabled brother uh, mm -hmm. and disabled parents and sister and they, they've all passed. And so that's really uh, tough situations to accept. And so I try and talk about that too openly because Right. What I found is if I'm open and honest about like the, the about hospice and cancer and uh, therapy and grieving, it allows other people to to uh, feel those emotions and talk about them more openly and hopefully remove right. that stigma because people they they want to present the shiny versions of themselves to get accepted. But yeah. I think people will be more accepting if they saw the whole whole raw version. Right. And it actually kind of gives you a glimpse of like what some of the, the possible goods, concomitant goods of a, of a life of suffering could possibly mm -hmm. be, right? Because that's one of the great like philosophical and theological issues. Like why do we live in an imperfect world? Like why does mm -hmm. suffering exist? And certainly something that I've learned and I've, I've come to appreciate more as I've kind of dove into the Catholic faith, which has a very sophisticated and nuanced view of, of suffering is that suffering is not against love. Suffering is for the promotion of love. And I think you just gave an, an example of this, that suffering tends to break our, down our superficiality, mm -hmm. our egotistical behavior, our, our, our sort of false notion that we can just do everything by ourselves because we get to these points of being crippled where we have to cry out for help. We do. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been there countless times. Um, and it and it and it can it can lead to greater unity and compassion and understanding and justice. Really, this greater fostering of love. Mm -hmm. And and it's been times in my life when I've had the, the the worst suffering that I thought there could be no possible reason or good for this. When some well, some of the greatest love in my life has come out of that, and not mm -hmm. just love that was showed to me by others. But it increased my compassion and empathy and understanding for pe for other people yes. as well. So you get you get glimpses of how this can be that can be the case. And in suffering, we can develop certain virtues and character traits as well. Not just compassion, but perseverance, endurance, hope. The, and these seem like yeah. really really good things. In fact, I think most of us would think that some of these seem like the best things that there are like in existence. Like I think most people would say, yeah, like things like compassion, empathy, justice, love are like the highest goods, mm -hmm. highest category of moral goods. If you think there, there is such a thing. And it's just very interesting to see that these things are what tends to come out or be promoted often in times, or at least after times of periods of really profound suffering. Um, yeah. And I, I think most of us can look back on our life, whether it's a traumatic loss in our life. I mean, recently for me, I even think of, of somebody I lost, my, my grandfather, who was very much like a father to me. This was a couple of years ago. And I mean, it was so utterly devastating when he passed. 
Um, but not only did it, did it reunite elements of our family that were kind of broken at that time. So that was kind of interesting to see how people came back together and relationships were healed because of this man, because everybody knew how good of a man he was. Mm-hmm. And they, they could see that they fell short of what he wanted for the family. And so there was deep reconciliation on, on many levels, but it even caused me to reflect of, well, why did I love this man so much? And it was because of how he, how he loved me and how he wow. loved other people. Right. And it, it really made me turn inward and realize I, I need to be more like that. So I'm just tossing a whole bunch of stuff out here. But I think it's I think it's important to keep that perspective in, in mind because we all go through such deep periods of suffering in our lives. I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about this. This is this, this is going to help somebody like if one listener benefits from this conversation. I'm, this is a huge success um, mm-hmm. to your point. I think. I've uh, definitely been through a lot of darkness and I think getting through that darkness has allowed me to get to more light. And I'm right. And it's, it's been uh, you don't get those, those uh, virtues you mentioned just by uh, opening up a, a book, you have to experience something and, and work on stuff yourself to persevere. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, there's a big, big difference as I've learned, right? Cause there's one thing when you, when you study like theodicy or the problem of evil from a philosophical perspective, from an intellectual perspective, um, that's the easy thing, right? Yeah. Like we can, we can show intellectually there's, there's no like incompatibility between an all good God and the existence of suffering. Like that's that we can do that. The hard part is the emotional part when we mm-hmm. go through it, right? When we, when we live it and that's where we need, we, we, we need, we need a lot of stuff, right? We need other people. We need pastors. We need counselors. Uh, I would argue we, we even need prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it come for me, there's, there's, there are a lot of good books that give you perspective on this, but it's how do you respond to that, to that suffering, right? Do you see it mm-hmm. as opportunities to grow in greater compassion, love, understanding, justice, mercy as well? And you're right, Sean, you know, it seems like it's, it's, if we, we see these things as being really good, like, I think, again, most of us would admit these seem like the highest goods, right? If there's mm-hmm. a, a meaning of life that I think most people would agree on regardless of the religious commitment it's just, it's it's love right yeah it's loving each other but it's it's but love especially in forms of empathy and compassion and mercy it's kind of hard to see how we could develop these virtues if we don't go through certain challenges yeah in yeah. life um, if we don't if we don't face these these obstacles and often periods of of intense darkness and and it's not always clear when you're suffering of what, what these opportunities could be. And like I said, there's, there's oftentimes in my life when I feel like there's no possible good. <laughs> right, like yeah. This just seems the worst thing ever. But it's not until afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. It's not until afterwards that, I've, that I've, I've gone through this and people have helped me and, and stepped in in really courageous ways. Courage is another one, right? That's another yes. virtue. Oh, hugely yeah. important. That I look back and I realize, okay, I can see wisdom there. I can see, I can see providence at work there. Even though I couldn't see it at the time, when I look back, I'm a better person now. I'm a more loving person now because of, of the suffering that I, that I went through. It's, it's so true. That's very well put. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I can bring up to, to relate to this. The, the very first one, um, my, my brother was uh, mentally disabled. Uh, my whole family is morbidly obese and they're hoarders mm-hmm. and mental illnesses. And mm-hmm. so growing up in that environment gave me a lot of empathy and compassion for people. Um, right. I, I was like, I didn't look like I fit in the family because I was like healthy and exercised mm-hmm. and 350 pounds and on oxygen and CPAP. Mm-hmm. So um, it gave me a good appreciation for how people can, um, how they suffer, you know, and then to try and help them. My brother died of a heart attack at age 21 and um, 
like you said, at the time, I'm like, how the heck could this happen? And so um, he's an organ donor. So I, I made a decision, which is a very tough decision to, to pull the plug on life support. Mm-hmm. I've had to do that for each one of my family members, my sister as well, my, both my parents to put them on hospice. And that's a really tough thing to go through. And everybody's going to go through this at some point in their life, losing yeah. a parent or a sibling or something. But from that, I, I enrolled in a fitness education the next day and became a, a health professional because I want wow. to help people with their health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's a traumatic growth, right? So you go through these dark periods and you're mm-hmm. like, there's no possible way this is something good. But then you find courage and like, all right, I, have a, I can help more people get a better quality of life. And I have a, my in, intrinsic reasons are beyond financial and, and shininess. It, yeah, it's not for the superficial egotistical no. reasons, right? Yeah. And that's and that's yeah, and that's the that's the beauty. That's where the light can break through or, or mm-hmm. continue to shine on in those periods of darkness. So I'm glad we're talking about this because this is Me something too. that that again that 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 I'm sure this is the case with you that like we not only have suffered through but currently are and will. Yes. Right? Like I have no I have no false expectations that there are going to be many more periods in my life where I'm going to go through deep periods. Yeah. Of, of intense suffering. Uh, we all do. And it is very important to, to be open about these things because social media is often paints such a false portrait of the world for everybody. Oh, um, it's so dangerous. I mean, I've actually mm-hmm. had friends confront me because um, they haven't seen me in a while and they're like, what happened to you? All I see is uh, you're split boarding and climbing mountains and swinging kettlebells with your shirt off. I'm like, that's what I put on my business page but like i i was in hospice with my mother and father for a year and like right and they get mad at you like you know because they see something i'm like well i'm telling you what's really going on so mm-hmm. accept it or not that's what's really going on yeah and so yeah people can form their fantasies and judgments but yeah social media is a blessing yeah. and a curse for, for a lot of reasons it is but you know that's what i you know i like i said i really do mean that i love these conversations with you but i, I think that's why these types of podcasts are the, are the types of podcasts that, that I listen to mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, as, as much fun as I enjoy talking about music and, and writing and, and business and all that, like this is, this is real life. Like this Heck is yeah. the stuff what, that people, that we all need to hear, right? That we're all in this together um, and that we all go through this in our lives. So what can we do about it? Like how can we respond? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love talking about this too. And I talk about it with my people I, I help in, uh, in personal training. Like this morning, I'm over at the law firm uh, gym that I've helped build and I'm training group class and I'm training a, a woman who's going through something I went through a year and a half ago, which is um, taking over as power of attorney for her parents who are disabled and getting them into assisted living and uh, enrolling hospice for, for her father. And so it was really rewarding, not just to show how to do a one arm kettlebell swing today, but also to give her the contact for the assisted living where my parents were. She's going there Monday to, mm-hmm. you know, get the liaison to help bring her parents over there, find a place for the dog and like offering those kinds of, um, of resources to her. So that her path is a little more paved as far as logistics. Right. And you know, that's one of the other kind of like beautiful, there's an interesting like thing about love where love seems to be inherently unifying. There seems to be a connection between the idea of union and love. I mean, I think of even like my little baby, like, what do I want to do with my little baby? I just want to like smush my face into hers. Like, you just like want to be close, right? Yeah, like, yeah. union. of course, there's the romantic forms of love too that has its own union, but it's, it's unifying in that like, like love ba- like brings down restrictions and boundaries and exclusions, right? Between people and suffering can really promote that, that unification and for good reasons where you want to help this person 
uh, not because you want to, you know, hit a certain income number or because you want just cool pictures for Instagram, but because you, you can, you, uh, you can relate. And in some sense that you're like in union with her suffering, Yes. right? You're in union with her suffering and there's this deep compassion that you now have and empathy and understanding. And there's something so inherently beautiful and good about that and the unification that this brings about. Now, I'm not downplaying, you know, how difficult suffering is when we're in it, but I think mm-hmm. it's so important to keep these perspectives in mind. So, so that way, because when I suffer now, which is, again, we all, we all suffer, I, I'm always asking, trying to find, okay, what is the opportunity here for grace? What is the opportunity here for growth? How can I continue to grow in my spiritual life, in my moral life? And, and the answer is not always clear, right? Oh, yeah. Well, some, sometimes the answer is always, you can always accept and surrender and offer it up, right? There's some theological things, but there's usually other deeper and more specific opportunities too. And it's hard to keep that in mind when you're going through suffering, but I think it is important to have to have that perspective when you go through these things. And it's just interesting that example you brought up because I've been kind of thinking a lot about the relationship between love and the idea of, of union lately. And I think that your example plays into that pretty well. Oh, that's awesome. Very, very grateful to hear that. And uh, as well said, I, yeah, I think love is just the most rewarding and essential thing and an honest thing too. Like she didn't right. come to the class today to learn where to, where to go for her folks, what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now she gets to leave with a little bit more, you know, her body's feeling good. Her mind's feeling good. Her spirit's feeling good. And she knows that her parents can go to a good place. And um, yeah, hopefully these kind of connections help other people open up and talk about their, their struggles they've been through. Cause it might help somebody. And then that barrier comes down and the growth happens and you know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the, and the other big thing to realize is, you know, when we're going through something very difficult, this was how I felt when I was a kid, when I was first having anxiety too, is I felt like I was the only one in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. And that feeling of isolation, right? Ex- exclusion again, right? Rather than being in union with is, is, it can be really terrifying. Yeah. And so I guess I would just emphasize whatever you're going through, uh, you're not the only one, right? Yeah. Believe me, you're yeah. not. Uh-huh. That's very worth saying again because it's it's so true. It's oftentimes I found, and I'm still guilty of it. Like even last week, I was in a funk, and I I uh, secluded. I'm really good at that. I'm like really good at just you know going really introverted. And it was a three day weekend for most people, so I just stayed in and worked like nonstop. Mm-hmm. And um, but my favorite part about that three days was I got out and I saw like an 80 year old neighbor, you know, shoveling snow when we had talk. I'm like ah connection. That's good. I need connection. to do more of that. Yeah. Yeah, because we're 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 social animals, right? There's something yeah. within our nature, which is oriented towards, which is really oriented towards, I, I would argue, love of learning to will the good of the other for, for other. That, that's the sort of classic definition of love, agape. There's a really good book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves, because the thing with, um, with the English language is we, we often equivocate on the term love, but the Greeks had more precise terms for love, right? So you had philia, storge, eros, and agape. And, um, you know, so you have kind of like, the type of love where you might say, I love coffee, right? Well, that you, you like coffee, but you don't love it, right? And it's, it's say, yeah. so, so the, the, the book's really cool because it gets very clear on like what love is in its highest form, in the form that, that most of us have at least some intrinsic awareness of, of willing the good of the other for other, even when there's no immediate or direct benefit mm-hmm. for ourselves. Um, and yeah, I think most people realize that is, that is it. That's like the... the the highest principle right there. It, like it just, it, yeah. And when you see that, 
right? When you see that in the lives of others, it's always attractive, yeah. right? It's always attractive when you see somebody who lives that type of life of, you know, of love. That's beautiful, Pat. I, you know, I learned a lot in that, that little uh, talk, four different kinds of love. But it's that, called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I had that written down, put that in the show notes. I'm going to get the, is there hopefully an audible book ver- version of that? I, w- I would imagine, yeah, yeah. His stuff is so popular. Good. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I drive a lot going to mountains so often and I do a lot of audiobooks, and that's how I get in my, my learning on. And agape, yeah, agape, it's, it's smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, agape, you know, that's actually the name of a, a hospice out here. And that makes sense that it's yeah. love. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Learning all kinds of stuff. You know, I always look forward to our talks because I'm going to learn at least like five new words, probably polysyllabic so I can go play some Scrabble and kick some ass. So it's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll throw out some words. Just don't ask me the definition for them always. Right. Sometimes oh it's fun God. just to use a word. You have no idea what it means. Yeah, the very first one you use, like, or I have written down, but I can't even say it. Like, salubrious. Salubrious, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, health, health promoting, right? This is like, this is a salubrious beverage. Wow. Okay. All weekend is salubrious. Mm-hmm. Last weekend is bifurcation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like a, yeah, like a bifurcated tail, right? Yeah, yeah. Bifurcated, yeah. yeah oh, my God. Too. Threatening to bifurcate our dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. Yeah. Words are fun. Like, especially so good at using words to describe things in, uh, in your writing and, Oh, let's talk about writing. So or a very good copywriter. Um, I listened to one of your podcasts with your friend, uh, was it Jordan about, uh, the, there's an abbreviation for the copywriting style. There's two of them. A E D something. Oh yeah. So these would, these would be frameworks for copywriting. One of them yes. would be like, just, just so if you're, if you're a copywriter and you, you want to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, a formula, formula or a script or a prompt to help you just, just get started. The, the more simple one that I like is actually problem agitation solution, right? That Perfect. would be one. Yeah, um, and the idea is, you know, identify the problem, uh, draw out all the reasons of why this is a problem, right? So it's kind of like the idea of like, okay, look, here, we know this sucks and here's why this sucks. Let's, let's familiarize ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then offer a solution, provide hope. Um, you know, that's, that's the basic general copywriting one-on-one formula and it's good. So like anything else, like any other skill, you should have a, a process or a system and you master that process or system. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you won't need to just rely on the, on the script anymore. Like you'll have it ingrained and then you can start to be more creative, but like anything else I, I recommend, if you're going to, if you're going to learn something right, you just got to do your rudiments first, right? You got to right. learn the basics. You just got to drill away, hammer away. You got to, as my music theory teacher always used to say, you have to know the rules before you're allowed to intelligently break the rules. I was, well, I like that. She drilled that. She drilled that into us constantly through through high school, um, and it was worth it, right? Because yeah. I would always be doing like learning my counterpoint and all this stuff. And like, what is the point of never constructing parallel fifths? I'm like, well, parallel fifths is all I do as a guitarist, right? Oh yeah, power chords. <laughs> yeah, that's right, power chords, right? And I'm <laughs> like, this is like totally like the, like how could I even play the guitar, <clears throat> right? Of course, I still played my parallel fifths, but in, in my composition classes, like that mm-hmm. was like. You could never do that, right? That would immediately fail. But then, like, you could do that after a certain point. Like, then it became okay, right, yeah. once you understood these rules. But same thing with copywriting, same thing with writing in general, right? You, you do your rudiments, you get your basics down. Once you know the rules, once you have a mastery, then you can start to really become more creative because of that, right? Otherwise, it's just random and it's a mess. You're not really being creative. You're just being sloppy. 
Yes, and that's very true. And I, I spent years being sloppy and I've, I've kind of refined my process and uh, just by doing it daily, you know, probably a thousand to 2000 words a day and then editing down to 600 to a thousand and publishing that. And it's really helped me because um, partly that's how I make money business-wise like Patagonia or Mountain Hardware, North Face, they pitch an idea like here's a, a thing, here's a, a product, test it, write about it, do a, a 4K video. And I enjoy that. And so um, since I talked to you last, I think we gained like five new writers. Awesome. Like, yeah, it's fun. I have like 25 creative geniuses who are outside doing what they love with, without their kids, with dogs. Uh, some have, uh, some are deaf, all different kinds of backgrounds. Some are adopted. Some are young, young kids, like five years old, some, uh, 65, I think is her oldest one. So just great minds and different ways of seeing the outdoors and recreation and gear. And the, the big challenge for me is to try and help them with their voice and get mm. out their wording in a way that is authentic to them, but presents the listener or the reader with some kind of benefit. Right. And style always starts at the second paragraph. Ooh, I like that. Like once you, once you get over yourself, once you get over trying to affect something, which is always the first paragraph, mm-hmm. style starts at the second paragraph, right? Where your personality is now just in an unrestricted way pouring forward it's like style isn't something that you can style is just you right, right it's, it's right. who you are you know filtering out onto the page or through the fretboard or or whatever so i think that's that's something one of my writing teachers you know has taught me style starts at the second paragraph that's and genius. just almost any piece of writing if you want to find a good re- lead just get rid of the first paragraph <laughs> or maybe the first two paragraphs oh i love it that's really helpful because that's when people have their guard down. They're not trying so hard anymore. Right. right? And trying's good. Like you learn through trying. But the more, you know, tension you have and the more, the more you try to affect a style, the worse your style always becomes. Because you're trying to be something you aren't. And style right. is about who you are. And that's a okay. hard lesson to learn. Because almost everybody wants to be somebody else. Right. <laughs> but you aren't somebody else. You're you. <laughs> so you have to learn to be you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super helpful. All right, I'm gonna write that up today and send to the writers. That's this is super helpful stuff. Oh, this is I love how we can talk about all these different topics fluidly. Yeah, it's it's a joy, and I hope that I hope that you know maybe we haven't drawn it out explicitly, but there's I hope there's connections here, you know, between between the different things that, that we've talked about because that's certainly true for music too, right? Um, usually the first couple times I'm I'm riffing around, I'm trying to come up with something like. It's affected. It's not mm-hmm. usually the greatest stuff, but then you know, then it's then it's then then my style starts to come through. So right. warm ups are always really important too. You know, have have warm ups for for everything. That's um, yeah, for your fingers, yeah. for the frets, and for your body for exercise, and for your mind for writing, for writing for for all of it. Yeah, but yeah, that was one of the great lessons of 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 of. of so I would recommend, there's a really nice book on writing if people want to grab more books. It's called uh, On Writing Well by William Zinser. Um, it's kind of a hidden gem. It's, it's popular among writers, but I, I find that that's just a really great book introducing you to the elements of style, what style really is, how to, how to develop your own style. I, I, I say unleash, really, because again, style is who you are. What you develop right. are the nuts and bolts of writing. And you need to have a good command of the nuts and bolts in writing in order to effectively express yourself. So style is blocked by incompetence. I think that's what people need to understand. Like your style is you. That's, that's just all it could ever be is who you are. Mm-hmm. But it can be blocked when you lack a certain degree of technical competence and you can't express that proficiently. 
So whether it's through the fretboard or on paper or whatever, again, it can also just be blocked because you stayed up way too late. and You're just having one of those days where you can't form sentences. I'm kind of, that is kind of me today, by the way, we're just like, you just have those days where you just can't get something out. Um, that happens too. But generally, if you, if you, I found if you're having a, tr- if you're having trouble with style or tone, it's either a lack of technical proficiency or a lack of interest in the topic yeah. you're writing about. That's another yeah. big one. Uh, if you're just not interested and passionate about the thing that you're writing about, I mean, good luck. I mean, I think I've got a, a pretty vibrant style, but only on the things that I'm interested in. You sit here and try and get me to talk about something I have. So go back to E.B. White. Like, I'm not interested in chicken coops, but he was. Mm-hmm. He loved chicken coops. He loved, you know, he had his little farm in, in Maine. So it's like the, the happiest thing in the world for him. So it was easy for him to write about these things and have a really good style. So I think that's important too, is make sure that you're, you have an emotional investment in the stuff that you're writing about. Because then it's going to be easier for that style to, you know, to, to pour out. I think so. Uh, and people, I think, will be able to understand the authenticity and feel it when they read it because right. uh, it's in their voice. Oh, that's super helpful. Well, I, what kind of projects are you working on right now? Are you working on some uh, new ebooks? I am a whole bunch of different uh, projects, um, some in fitness, some in philosophy. So I'm taking some of the one ebook I'm doing is um, it's called How Come Anything? And it's going to be called A Philosophical Approach to God. And I'm taking a lot of the stuff I did in my master's program in philosophy and, and trying to just make it not sound like something you did in your master's program <laughs> <laughs> and just put it kind of into a, into a simple ebook and, and uh, show people how reason can lead to God, how, how some of the greatest philosophers throughout history have thought about sort of the ultimate foundations of things, how, where reason can get you, right, when you apply it consistently, what can, what can we really know? in a certain and definitive way, not just about God's existence, but, but God's nature. That was always my great interest of, of philosophy. It's part of the, one of the major reasons I, I eventually became Catholic and a really religious person. So I'm interested in sharing that. I've got the first draft done. Um, so hopefully maybe in the next month or two, I'll have, I'll have that out. Oh, cool. Um, I've got another one on ethics that I'm working on. So I have two in philosophy. And I have one on intermittent fasting. So I, I want to take this recent Fast 15 protocol that I had and kind of develop a short ebook around that as well and introduce people to kind of a, what I think is a very practical and accessible method of, of uh, intermittent fasting in their lives. Um, so I've got that. And my goal this year, Sean, is because the past couple of years, I've always done a traditional book, right? I've been with a traditional publisher and it mm-hmm. was like a huge process and just start to finish, soup to nuts. It, it was a multi-year process. I want to focus more on this year on little little pet projects, mm-hmm. uh, self-published for myself, just very introductory, super affordable too. Most of these, I'll just make them like a, a dollar ebook on Amazon just because, again, it's, it's more of a creative expression for me at this point, yeah. a lot of these. Um, just like I did with my $1 uh, kettlebell ebook, which that's not even a book. That's a pamphlet. Let's be honest here, right? Just, <laughs> yeah. these, these will be much more substantial than, than that, but still, but still, I think, accessible. And then I do want to actually build on that. I want to build out the, the kettlebell one a little bit more uh, this year moving forward. So if I could get like four to five of these out this year, I think I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with my creative efforts. That, that's impressive. I, um, I've never used a publisher like you have, but I have put out uh, books through, what is it, KDP, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing? That's right, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Actually, I broke this system. Uh, I made this book for splitboarding, and I, I tried to embed 
about 70 different hyperlinks for like YouTube videos on how to uh, split board work and how to do a kettlebell swing and you know, all this kind of stuff I thought would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I jammed it into the KDP system and they're like, this won't work. We don't support linking out and this and that. So they went back to their software developers and for like two months they worked on it and they fixed it, but only for Kindles. I was like, I don't have a Kindle. Man. Hmm. <laughs> so um, I found a different uh, publishing p- uh, place uh, issue that hmm. worked really well. So uh, it keeps the book native. And uh, if you click on the hyperlink or the video, it'll play it in a window in the book. Oh. So they don't. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's I'll send you a cool. link to that. And yeah, I think please for your do. Books, that'd be super awesome. That might can, be, that might be totally better. Cause I'm just, you, I'm just do, using KDP and they've been fine, but yeah, you're right. There's some, there's some limitations there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it was frustrating because my book wasn't, like you said, is a basically an adult pop-up book. It just has some cool pictures, mm-hmm. had some mountains, had some dogs and split boards. And Sounds it, awesome. <laughs> it's my kind of book, right? Simple. And, uh, and so I was just trying to present it to people like, cause I get asked all the time, how do you, what is a split board? Like there's like three right there on the wall and like, how do they work? Well, here's how they work. And what do you mm-hmm. what kind of tools do you get and what kind of education? So just mm-hmm. like how to get started. Yep. And uh, just like your, your very helpful books, and um, yeah, so KDP had its limitations, but ISU, um, it's really cool because you can also have your book printed just for like, just for the heck of it. So like, hey, I got a print version right there. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so like KDP, you can just run off a printed version if you need to. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's super useful. Totally. So yeah. Um, anyways, cool. It's a good I appreciate resource. that. No, yeah. Please send me the link. I'd be curious um, because I just, I just go with what's been convenient so far. I know, right? And yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. And especially if you don't have any links going out, KDP is totally fine. Plus it's cool to have your book on Amazon. Your books have done really well on Amazon. Like, yeah. Really. When I launched the little kettlebell one, it was number one in the overall exercise and fitness category, which That's was super exciting for, for a month. So like major category, number one, not like some obscure subcategory of a subcategory of a subcategory. And it still is, you know, top 10 and sometimes number one in a lot of those subcategories as well. So it's been really cool because it, it gained a lot of early momentum and it seemed to have just carried a lot of that ever yeah. since. Well, your fans are fanatics and that's great to have that. And they, you know, and you, you <laughs> they have, help a lot. They help a lot. But also the way you present things helps a lot too. It's very accessible and very attractive and um, yeah, it, it goes a long ways. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Well, um, other thing, you're working on a strong on certification again, right? Yeah, I, I am indeed, sir. Yes, yes, indeed. So uh, that's something we do typically about uh, once a year, sometimes twice a year. And it's back at, uh, so for people who don't follow every instant of my life, I moved to Wisconsin in May mm-hmm. uh, after being out in Pennsylvania for uh, about 10 years. And in Pennsylvania, we have our sort of headquarters of our kettlebell camp at the Dragon Gym. My partner, Sam, owns the gym and we've been rocking and rolling there for, for a long time. That's, that was the hardest thing about moving. Honestly, the hardest thing about I moving was, was creating uh, the, the distance between that. Cause I mean, that was like a second home to me. Uh, so it's hosted there and it's always hosted there. And, and um, what's cool and unique about our certification is, is we, we coach how to coach and we coach specifically kettlebells from a generalist and minimalist perspective, how to get, how to become ready for and capable of almost anything, mm-hmm. right? And how to get from A to B, and the, it, it, preferably in a straight line, or at least the straightest line possible with the fewest number of steps possible. Those are kind of the two pillars of our fitness philosophy. And we really focus on how to do that in a group format, uh, specifically for trainers and business owners who want to have really high energy, dynamic, and effective group classes. So it's complementary to a lot of stuff that is uh, already out there with kettlebells. And we, we kind of hope that, that people come in with some 
kettlebell certification or at least workshop experience of some sort like come mm-hmm. in knowing the kettlebell swing come in knowing the the press like at least the basics we'll, we'll help you refine them but the goal of our cert is to help you coach them not necessarily to learn them and then the other cool thing is we are very business focused we have a mastermind component of the cert and part of the reason we host it and only host it at our business is because we we sort of lift the curtain and we show people exactly how our systems run they'll see the classes being held in 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 person as they're, mm-hmm. as they're learning and they'll be teaching and interacting with a lot of the students, which is awesome. And then we sit down, we do a little uh, business powwow at the end of every day and just help people with wherever they're at in their business, designing systems, getting started, you know, lead capture if they need that conversion strategies, you name it. So uh, there's a, a, there's a pretty, I think, nice blend between the practical, the coaching, but then also how do you how do you communicate your value? How do you get the word out about what you what you do? And we found that that's that's been lacking severely in most fitness certifications. And I, I think that we're that. I think that we're uniquely qualified to be able to to offer that. And many people who've come have said that that's that's you know been one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable parts, is just the the business mastermind. So that's that's strong on certain in a nutshell. That's really awesome. And you know uh, I've taken a lot of certifications and learned a lot of great. Uh, techniques from great instructors, but the one thing that they don't touch on, if at all, is the business aspect, which I think right. is if you're a fitness professional, especially a self-employed business owner, like mm-hmm. there's always a lot to learn in your content on how to passive income and how to have systems and stuff like that. It's very helpful. Well, thank you very much again. And I'll, I'll emphasize there's, there's kind of two things that I've noticed and after collecting like an alphabet soup after my name in certifications. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that programming is often lacking in certifications. And, and the, the reason for that is because certifications are often so general that it's hard to, to talk programming. And this is funny because I consider myself a generalist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but being a generalist, is to have a specific goal in mind, right? To be a generalist, right? And to not be a specialist, to not be a professional powerlifter or a bodybuilder or something like that. And since we have that framework of, okay, how do we make, how do we help people develop a robust general physical preparedness? Well, now we can really talk about programming in that specific context because programming is always something that's aimed at something. And unless you know what you're, you're aiming at, you really can't talk intelligently about programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a criticism. It just seemed like something that we could offer some specific guidance on, uh, in relation to kettlebells for most business owners who are going to be serving most people who don't want to be hardcore specialists anyway. So we could really get in detail about the programming, how to design, not just workouts, but also group classes, structures, challenges, all of that. Uh, so, so, so you leave knowing how to implement these things. And then, yeah, the other, the other element would be, all right, now, how do we get people in the classes, right? How do we get Very important. How do we get yeah. students? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's so cool. Um, so they'll be back in Pennsylvania. And can people sign up for that right now? They can. Chroniclesofstrength.com. We already have a great group. It's going to be a high energy. A lot of people from the Strong on Facebook group will be putting faces to names, which would be great. But it's chroniclesofstrength.com backslash strong on certification. And uh, we have a we have a more detailed PDF too, if you want, just like you know, uh, some of the finer points of everything that's covered. But that'll give you the gist of it. And then if you want, uh, if you just have any questions or want that PDF, you can email me Pat Flynn at chroniclesofstrength.com, and I'll be happy to pass that along. But it's May, it's the weekend of May sixteenth. Is this is the next one? Yeah, weekend awesome. of May sixteenth. Well, I'll I'll put that in the show notes too, and get your email in there, and 
the hyperlink. I got it right here. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you kindly, good sir. Appreciate it. Oh. It's always a good time. We always hang out. Get into yeah. just a few, just a few shenanigans. Nothing crazy. Any llamas this time? Alpacas always okay. make a regular visit. Yep, we have nice. the alpaca. We have the alpaca team from um, from Lancaster County out in the Amish country. So funny, actually. Just a, it's a goofy like inside joke. Whatever we we love alpacas as part of strong law. So I'm not even going to try to explain that. But it's been it's been tra- <laughs> it's been tradition to have the alpaca show up for lunchtime. <laughs> For lunchtime so you have, <laughs> sounds so stupid but it's awesome I just, so you can so you can eat lunch with the alpacas i mean what, what else could you possibly want right i mean sign that's up it. right now i mean yeah. that's it and and it's so funny because like we're waiting for the alpacas to show up and we see this like kind of like red minivans pull up i'm like oh it must be like a family here for like a taekwondo orientation or something and then out of this little red minivan come three gigantic alpacas <laughs> like just imagine that right this little med- no. red this little red minivan she somehow stuffed three alpacas I, I this can't be illegal right right yeah. you see these things walk out of this minivan it's the most bizarre but also the most hilarious thing and and yeah we all had you know we all had lunch and got our put our arms around the alpacas had some selfies and pictures taken it was a great time that's awesome yep and random very random indeed indeed but uh, it's tradition so it can't be broken we've already got it we've already got it scheduled so it, it'll definitely happen <laughs> That's awesome. I wish I can come just to hang out with the alpacas. Hey, man, be my guest. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, well, Pat, it, it, I, I, it, we and I can talk for a couple more hours easily, but if you want to give me an hour and a half of your time, and I really appreciate it. Is that really what it's been? Oh, man, this has gone by. I've really enjoyed this. I know. It's like five minutes. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, hey, round three then, right? Let's do round three. And it will be do. Uh, let's do it sooner than I did last time. I think it was like a three-month gap. Two and a half month gap between the last. Has it been that long too? Man, I have a very poor perception of time. Me too. I was looking back at the it's like December twelfth, and uh, it's almost, almost March. It's crazy. Unbelievable. But yes, right. absolutely. Would love yeah, well, to. Let's do that. I mean, we've touched on some really cool subjects. I'd like to, to drill down on more. Yeah. Too. So, well, uh, Pat, love you, man. Thank you for everything you do. All the best to you and your family. Love you too, man. Yeah, absolutely. This has been an absolute treat. So thank you. I hope that uh, anybody who made it to the end here has gotten gotten something out of this. I really do. Not just alpacas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pat, thank you very much for your time. And uh, to your listeners out there, thank you for your time. And I love you for listening. (laughs) 